So hold your place right here. Turn all the way over there to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. And you'll notice that when he says, those who have been blessed. Now, I have been blessed by the Lord. And the blessing that I have received is salvation. You see, I used to be under a curse. I was under the law, and I was under a curse. And the law cursed me, says I have to die. Well, I don't want to die. I don't want to have to pay for my sins, but I was cursed with a no sinful nature. Therefore, I don't have much I can do about it. So there's a difference between being cursed, being blessed. So in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, look in verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. See, as long as you're under the law, you're under a curse. This is why it's ridiculous for people to try to put themselves under the law to try to earn their salvation because they place themselves under a curse. When we, you read verse 10 of the same chapter, chapter 3, it says, Cursed is everyone who continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You can't pick and choose. You've got to do everything the law says. Now, you don't even live long enough to learn everything in the law before you can even keep everything in the law. Man, you're doomed from the very beginning. You haven't got a chance. So he says here in verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us. That means he was born under the law. But he kept the law, so the law couldn't curse him. He didn't have to die. He was made of a woman, made under the law that he might fulfill the righteousness of the law. But then he voluntarily took our place, died in our place, paid our sin debt, and came back from the dead. Why did he do that? To redeem us from the curse of the law. He says in verse 13, For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, because you were hung on the tree because of some hideous crime that you have committed, and Christ was hung on a tree, and it was a hideous thing. It was a shameful thing, a disgraceful thing. But he hadn't done anything wrong. We did, and we deserve to die. But he makes a statement in verse 14. Why did he become a curse? In verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So that you and I, by faith in what he did, we can be blessed. But what is the blessing? I'm glad you asked. Look there in chapter 3 and look in verse 6. In verse 6, where it says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. That would be a blessing, wouldn't it? If God would justify the heathen through faith, wouldn't that be a blessing? Well, that's what he says. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham said, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9, So then they which are of faith are blessed. You see, being saved is a blessing. Not being saved is is you're under a curse. 
I have been blessed. You have been blessed because you have trusted Christ as your Savior. You are redeemed. You're going to heaven when you die. So you have already been blessed. So you can ask God, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me. And God said, I did, I did, I did. You are blessed. And we should understand that. Now, notice what he says here. Also, I want you to see this. In that verse 14 where it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on you. Then notice what it says in verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded, all understand, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that, what's that word? That believe. So because we have trusted Christ as Savior, we have been blessed. Now go all the way back there to the book of Matthew. And notice in Matthew, in chapter 25, verse 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed, that's already past tense, blessed of my father. You see, you have already been blessed in that you have received the free gift of salvation. This is why they're on the right hand, because they are the righteous ones. I was thirsty, and all this. But look what he says in the last part of verse 34. Inherit the kingdom, the kingdom, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he gets into a very interesting portion of Scripture. And it gives you the appearance that you've got to be saved by your works. And now this is based upon what you did, how you treated yourself or treated other people and all this. But look what he says in verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, says, we don't know what you're talking about. See, they are righteous. On the right, the sheep, they're blessed. And says, what are you talking about? When did we do that? Now, notice what he says. In verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, in as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now, I wonder what in the world that means, because you've got to explain it. Now, we know that you're not saved by what you do, because remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. So he can't be referring to they are saved by their works. But it looks like that. Don't it look like it? But it can't be, because you know that. But now... He says there in verse 40, he says, you did it one of these, it's like you did it unto me. Verse 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Depart from me, ye cursed. You know, that's the same thing he says back there in Matthew chapter 7. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye cursed, so on. So then he says in verse 42, For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. 
I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungry, and a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, the righteous and the life eternal. Now, doesn't it have an appearance that works what you did or involved in your salvation? You see how it's so easy for people to begin to say something like that, and then because they can't explain it, they just leave these scriptures alone, pretend like they're not there, and then, oh, nobody ever asked me a question about those. But they are there. And so you use clear verses to help you understand verses that seem to say or that somebody could take in a wrong way and say, you've got to apply this to salvation because it's what they did. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 10. Now, you'll notice that many things, like in a particular book, if you can't find in the context of a chapter, well, look in another chapter, either before or after. Sometimes the scriptures will teach you what he means. So you can't just read chapter 25 and totally neglect all those other chapters that were also written. So you go back there to Matthew in chapter 10, and you'll notice in chapter 10, verse 1, that he's told his disciples some things here. But also he told them some things that were going to be a near prophecy and a far prophecy. In other words, like history going to repeat itself. Things they would go through here, but things they're going to go through later. And so he tells them, he says, now, the Son of Man is coming. See over there in verse 23? But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another for verily I send you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. In other words, I'm coming back. Well, wait a minute, he hasn't even left yet. Now, it could have been referring to, hey, uh, you go out and you do this, and I'll be coming behind you. But there's a lot of cities in Israel that Christ never went to. So I believe there's also a double reference here to a future time that probably will be right before the battle of Armageddon, during the tribulation time. But there's some things that you can learn and garner from this, and I want to show you this. So they um, were told what to do. They were commanded there in verse 5. And then look in verse 11, where it says, And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter. This is why years ago when it was at Florida Bible College, as students, we didn't care where the town was or the city. We just know we're going Somewhere, because it doesn't matter what city you go to, or what house you, or what person you talk to. It's the same message, and you talk to anybody. So I didn't spend years and years, Lord, lead me, Lord, lead me. Uh, he's already commanded me to go in whatever city, or whatever house, or whatever person. Lord, there's a person over there, but I don't want to do it against your will. But if they're still there within 15 minutes, I know it's your will for me to talk to them. You're, you don't do stuff like that, do you? Because can you witness to the wrong person? Can you witness at the wrong time? 
There may be timing that's better as you work and you do it, but don't let it be an excuse for you not to do what God's Word says. But now notice what it says in verse 11. Because now he's talking about being worthy, worthy. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy. And there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. The word, what? Uh, ten, hut, and you salute. Well, a lot of times back in those days, you know, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. And how are you doing? I'm doing fine, too. And how is your mother? My mother's doing fine. And how is your mother? Well, my mother's doing fine. And how is your father? My father's doing fine. And how is your father? And you can take you know, 20 minutes. Now, he said, take your time, because that's a good way to break the ice, spend a little time, get it done. And there's other time where he says, you don't do it. But here, he says in verse 13, and if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Now, how are you supposed to know who's worthy and who's not worthy? Well, let me see you do perform some work. Let me see what you're doing. Let me see how you're living. These people deserve to hear the gospel. Now, these people over here, they didn't deserve to hear the gospel. You think that's what he means? I can't believe that's what he means. But somehow or other, you're supposed to be able to discern who's worthy and who's not worthy. Well, he said when those are worthy, then you can, um, you can spend some time with them. In verse 14, And whosoever uh, shall not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. I've watched Jehovah's Witnesses walk down the sidewalk, and they'll get down to the street, and they'll look. They're making me think that that's me. No, 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 no. But notice this one key thing. In verse 14, And whosoever shall not receive you. Those words are important. That's who is worthy and not worthy. Those who receive you and, get the rest part of it, whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words. Now why were they going with certain words? Because the words they have to say is important. There must be a message here. If there wasn't a message, they don't need to go. But because they went, they must have had a message from the boss. The Lord told them what to go and do and what to say. And one of those things is that the Son of Man's coming. The Son of Man's coming. And I bet you they probably told him, you know, you better be ready. But when you went, those who received the messenger and received the message. Those are the ones that were worthy. And this is what they were supposed to do. Now, you've heard me say this before. If I was a lost man, I'm a lost man. And I live in um, Afghanistan. That'd be a nice place to live. Wouldn't you like to live there in Afghanistan? And I live in Afghanistan. And I'm way back here living in some old tent. Right in the middle of like a desert. And they got the Taliban, all these bad people all over the place, killing everybody, you know. And I'm over there, and I'm, I'm only 10 years old. And I'm wondering, who am I? Is there a God? Where am I going to go when I die? Now, if I knew that there was somebody in America that knew how to get to heaven, I... Don't care what that man has to go through, but I want him to get here. I want that man 
to get that message to me. And you may sacrifice, give up a lot, give up your dreams, go to Bible college for four years and strike out trying to build some support and figure out where you're going to go and get people to support you so that you can go to the foreign fields and learn how to speak Arabic. And so you're going to travel all the way over there, dry and dusty and thirsty and bombs busting and people shooting, killing each other. You don't really care what that man has to go through to get to you. All you want is get to me, reach me, somehow reach me. And Christ says, he that receiveth you receiveth me. I want you to see that. Look in chapter 10. And look down there in verse 40. This is a very important verse. Very, very important verse. In verse 40 says, He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So he's saying, I'm sending out these messengers with a message. And he doesn't care what you have to go through to get the message to him. And he warns them in chapter 10. He says, you're going to have to be wise as a serpent, harmless as doves. There are going to be people that are going to lie to you. They're going to try to kill you. They're going to deceive you. Some of you are going to be murdered. All the things that can happen to you. But Jesus says, he that receiveth you receiveth me. So when he gets over there in Matthew chapter 25 and he's talking about it's because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. You say, well, when? Because you received that man who went through all of those things. And sometimes you may find out, you realize what some Christians sacrifice in order to get the gospel to somebody. And whatever you've gone through, he says, you did that for me. So whenever you accept that person, you have accepted Christ. It's like you did that for him. And you received that man. You listened to the message. You trusted Christ as your Savior. You believed what he said. So he that receiveth, you receiveth him that sent me. So these people, they had a message to deliver. And look what they went through. Now go back to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, and you'll notice that he's talking to the people that are righteous, and those that are righteous is because they listened to the message and believed it. And then there's the lost, they didn't receive the message. That's why they are condemned. Those that believe it are blessed, and those that don't believe it are cursed. So he says here in verse 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry. When was he hungry? That missionary that probably was hungry, or gave up something to reach you. It can be applied in a lot of different ways. I understand that. You gave me no meat to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. By what a person is willing to go through to reach somebody, and then you receive 
God says, you did that because, see, they did that to me. Remember this simple story. When Saul was on the road to Damascus, remember the bright light? And the Bible says that he became blind. And he heard a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, he wasn't persecuting him, was he? He was persecuting all those people that was down here saying all those things that Jesus was the Messiah and so on. That he came back from the dead. That all you had to do is trust the Lord, not saved by the law. But he's going to shut all that up. And so he had gotten permission, documents to go to Damascus to get those people and put them in jail, women and children. He was a bad man. And the Lord says, I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. But remember, the church was already a church. The church was a body. He says, why persecutest thou me? Because you are persecuting his body. And so how you treat one another is very, very important. So you injured Christ when you injured his body. Those people that represent him. So when he says, you did not receive the messenger. Because he did that in my place. So when I came to you, and I went through all of these things to get the message to you, and you rejected that messenger, he said, you rejected me. Those that received him, received me. And I do believe that this has probably more documentation for it to be true in my understanding of what these scriptures are saying. So he says in verse 44, Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say to you, inasmuch as you did it not unto one of the least of these. You see on the other one he talks about, one of these, my brethren. See, these are those who know the Lord and love the Lord, and they represent the Lord. And they went out and told people about the Lord. So whenever you accept that message, and you believe that message, this is why he says several times back there in Matthew chapter 10, those that are worthy. Well, who are those that are worthy? Those that have trusted Christ as Savior. You are worthy of eternal life. You're going to, not because of any works they did, but because, because that's a gift. Because they kept wanting to know, what are you going to do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life is a gift. It's totally free. But look what happens to those in verse 46. It's the same thing you have in chapter 7 of the book of Matthew. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So what was the difference between the two? What made the sheep the sheep and what made the goats the goats? Accepting or rejecting Jesus Christ. Same message we preach today is the same message that's right here. It's not another gospel. I believe there's only one saving gospel message. It's always been, has to be, by grace. Because, you see, salvation by grace has to be the only salvation message because the only way you can change it is you have to add works to it. And if you add works to it, then it's not grace and nobody can be saved. Because God says, no flesh shall glory in His presence. Are we going to say, well, in the law, they were saved by the law. Well, that's contrary to everything we've been taught. Then 
Salvation is not free. You can earn it. No, you can earn it. Salvation is truly, it is free. I hope just covering that there just help you a little bit more because you don't have to be afraid of these scriptures. Just remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Salvation is always by grace. It's always free. But there could be another way of looking at something that can help you maybe to understand a little bit better. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says he loves us. He hates our sin. And because we have all sinned under the law, we're all under a curse. And because we're under this curse, we have to die. The way sin is death. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, we have to be perfect. And we're not perfect. So how can I get this blessing? Get away from this curse and get the blessings of eternal life. God says you cannot earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. This hand represents Jesus Christ. Made of a woman. Made under the law. He fulfilled all the righteous demands of the law. And because of that, the law could not touch him. Because he didn't break any laws. The law could not condemn him. So he took all of our sins upon himself. And he died under the law. To redeem us that were under the curse of the law. Came back from the dead. When we accept this death payment. And only by the death payment can we be free from the law. We have to be satisfied. God has to be satisfied. The law has to be satisfied. So we trust Christ as our Savior. We're free from the curse of the law, and we have been blessed. Blessed with a new birth. Blessed with a new birth, new nature, salvation, eternal life, going to heaven when we die, and it can never be changed. That's forever. That's the best news I ever heard. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that right where you are, you would trust the Lord. Especially those that are listening by way of internet. If you've never understood before how to go to heaven, I pray that right now you would accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You'll never be good enough to earn it. That's a curse. The freedom comes when you accept what he did for you. And he gives you eternal life as a gift. It's free. He loves you so much. He paid for your sins. He came back from the dead. And he wants you to believe he did it for you. Would you do that? If you will trust Christ as your Savior, right on the screen. says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. We'd love to know that. Love to hear from you. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for this time together. For the study of your word. Thank you for this ministry and all the people in it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.